dough coming from the rack store. Bet this back in the Mac in the back flow. Let's go, chillin' with raccoons by the back door. Take calls so you can stake more. All I wanna do is making dough, right? But I found this crew and doing alright. We wreck, will bitch, ready to fight. So many raccoons ready for the boss life. I might fly high like a kite, right? But always ready for a shite for the right prize. Raccoon supply has the right price. Giving you respect if it's likewise. So I'm buying all the mean guys with the clean heart. Read between lies, laser bean through lean eyes. Larry or with clean lies, trash mouth, mean smile, be wise. NFT wise, fuck with these guys. It's the rack rap from the back lab. 100 NFTs in my backpack. Crazy rack rap from the stash app. Rack will take a lead in this haystack. Thursday, the 21st of December, 2023, and this is everyone's favorite crypto, IBC, money-making, not financial advice show. I'm your narrator, your introducer, your introductor, Secret Squirrel. I'm going to pass it off to Robo. Robo, how you feeling today? Have a good show. Really excited to have Grid Plus on today. I've only really recently come across them, and I was kind of fascinated, uh, and especially given what we've seen uh, previously or recently with kind of, you know, security breaches yet again. And I've never actually seen, uh, whether you want to call them firmware or hardware, we can have that convo, but I've never really seen an offering uh, like Grid Plus. And it's actually piqued my curiosity a little bit. So, Without further ado, let's get down to this. Uh, hi, is that Justin? Yeah. Good morning, Justin. Thanks for coming on. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. How's it going? Oh, dude, it's an absolute pleasure. There, there always seems, <laughs> Justin, it always seems whenever there's any like security breaches, within about the next week, we always ha- seem to have like someone on related to the industry, which is, I love this, you know. Uh, the last time, I believe, was around about like, probably around about April, May or something. With the uh, and we had like Zengo Wallet come on, you know, uh, who are a kind of like standard, like sort of uh, web app, uh, you know, wallet provider. But yeah, uh, Justin, so before we kind of dive into things in greater detail, when when we've seen like security breaches that we saw last week, obviously, one of your major, if you want to call it a major competitor, was involved. Uh, personally, Justin, it's a two part com- question kind of thing for you last week when you saw these exploits did you think oh here we go again you personally what was your viewpoint and as a company when these exploits happened last week did you guys like pull together and have some like upset meetings and or did you just ignore it i mean how did last week sort of impact you personally and then as a company ah okay um well when we see these things i think my first thought is hey i just want to understand it deeply understand what happened and i think you know we don't we don't celebrate these things because you know there's nothing perfect when it comes to security it's an ongoing process and it's a never-ending battle so it's it's not something to gloat about um the exploit definitely was the culmination of a couple of factors where things were not really um tightly managed and done well uh luckily they mitigated the impact um but yeah, I mean, there is there's aspects to it of 
it was a, a surprising situation, uh, to say the least. And I think uh, our reaction, like you said, OPSEC meeting, we talked about the nature of what went down and like, should we consider anything pertaining to this? You know, do we have any similar concerns where we've overlooked something? Um, I can get into the reasons behind it a little bit, but a lot of it was just sort of the product of um, lack of attention to detail uh, with managing some some things that could have a very large impact. A um, couple of things. I mean, so one, what went down the synopsis is that, you know, Ledger has this um, development kit and the person, one of the main code contributors had actually left the company and he still had GitHub access. So that's problem number one. And then he got fished. And so someone else had access to their account. The other thing that was probably more pressing and that I wanted us to look at internally was that it's a common tool uh, developers use called Node Package Manager, NPM. And this pulls in like this all other libraries that everybody uses, the dependencies that um, engineers you know, uh, have from other projects, other libraries that underpin their work. And they were set to auto update uh, just pull in information uh, without any sort of manual review, uh, which is not a good practice when it comes to security. I mean, security should uh, ultimately move slow um, and deliberately because it's the counterbalance to how fast crypto evolves and how fast protocols and wallets change and uh, how fast the uh, bad guys evolve in their approach, uh, which is very, very quick. Yeah, bro, that's that whole permission versus the permissionless things, isn't it? We see, you know, we see how quickly things develop on permissionless networks compared to permissioned networks, right? There's a reason why why people do code audits. Yeah, it's not rocket science, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And that's the nature of working with open source. That's the magic of it is that you put something out there and people are free to tinker and contribute. But this is a little bit of a different context where, yeah, they're relying on other libraries, but uh, you know, working on wallet technology is um, is kind of a terrifying prospect because we're dealing with bearer assets, whether they're NFTs or, you know, L1 crypto assets. You know, we're helping people basically secure very meaningful amounts of money. Um, so while the software side of things does evolve on permissionless networks, this super fast clip, ultimately, you know, we can't operate in that manner because we've got to be deliberate and make sure that every angle is considered. Um, again, because I'm not saying our offering is perfect. No offering is perfect. Um, and there's nothing you can buy that's like a silver bullet for security. But we have to take a fundamentally different approach to like how you develop things. It has to be conservative because safety comes first. So we are sort of uh, the safety net so that people can, you know, degen and, and trade with peace of mind. Yeah, I, you know what, as an industry, I, I, I sometimes say to my friends, like, is this the industry we deserve rather than the industry we need? Because we seem to be under constant stress test, Justin, of the, of the entire ego, whether that be wallets, whether that's like, you know, bridge vectors, but we seem to be constantly every day being stress test for some reason in crypto, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the reason is just that it, digital bearer assets are the biggest honeypot ever for bad actors. Um, whether they're targeting users, they're targeting protocols or smart contract hacks. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's the ultimate prize. You can be remote and literally get away with a bank heist. Um, so yeah, enterprising people uh, are going to 
never give up. Um, and by enterprising people, I mean, unfortunately, um, the scammers, um, black hat hackers, all of that, because yeah, I mean, look at it. It's, it's such an appealing target. Um, so we have to keep pushing. Um, and that's why this is, a, as I mentioned, a never ending process. Um, providing security means just continuously evolving in response to the new and creative ways that uh, people come up with to screw each other over. <laughs> so Justin, mate, uh, by the way, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have your own mind. A couple of minutes of talking you around and tell you absolutely sound guy. Uh, dude, we had, uh, like I say, we had Ari and uh, Ariel on from Zengo Wallet earlier this year after the original uh, Ledger exploit earlier. And he kind of piqued my curiosity a little bit with something when he said hardware wallets. I'd, I'd never thought about it like this, but he said there's no such thing as a hardware wallet. This should actually be labeled as firmware wallets. And he went on to give this long, detailed explanation. Now, when I looked at you guys, I was like, this is like the most hardware, hardware wallet I've seen yet. Where where do you put yourself on that convo, Justin, in the product itself, uh, Grid Plus and Lattice One, which we'll get into, yeah? Like, are you a firmware business? Are you hardware? Are you both? Like, where do you lie? Well, yeah, it's both. I mean, firmware is ultimately just software that is running on a you know, bespoke environment. Um, and it's usually, you know, real low-level code. We work with embedded C. I'm not an engineer, so I don't want to bog everybody down with that side of things. But yeah, I mean, it is an external solution. You know, what is a hardware wallet? Um, I actually think it's an important question because I don't think everybody's entirely clear on it. But why do we have these things? Um, well, your phone or your computer, your general purpose uh, computing devices, you can do anything on them. You can play games, you can do your work. Um, and so they're designed with flexibility first and foremost, obviously, you know, with these systems, security is always a consideration as well. But the main thing is you can't really entirely rely on what you're signing. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, attack vectors where people install malware, they don't know how they picked it up, and then they show you something that is different than what you really intend to do. So hardware wallets are a solution that uh, let you do two things. One take your private keys out of this general purpose device um, because that's one set of attack vectors is coming at how they're stored or misrepresenting what you see on screen to get you to unlock or sign on your behalf. Um, but then the other side is the secure signing. Um, because these are general purpose devices, the hardware wallet is supposed to actually show you what you are signing with absolute certainty. Um, so you can compare the two things and know that you're doing what you intend to do. And it's really, at the end, the, like a sanity check in that, you know, uh, you actually still have to be actively engaged, but you want to look and we want to give users the most uh, useful, actionable information possible at their fingertips um, to compare, you know, a MetaMask transaction or whatever other software you're using against what you're actually signing. And if they don't match, you say, you know, slow down, let's take a look at what's going on. Um, so, in the earlier days of this, all we ever really had to do with Bitcoin uh, was verify a recipient address. You know, we're sending crypto back and forth. And that's really where we get the term cold storage, because if you're trading on Mt. Gox, cold storage is just getting your coins into your own private keys and having them in a place where you don't touch them. Uh, but my, as I mentioned, how like software just about uh, and permissionless networks evolve so quickly, like you had mentioned as well. Um, 
hardware is really slow. And so these networks have sort of outpaced it. And that's why we have this weird looking device because uh, we were smart contract chain nerds and we were basically trying to build out other use cases for our secure hardware. And we were finding that nothing else actually met our needs. And because we were using Ethereum, uh, the Bitcoin hardware wallets didn't really meet our needs. So we were building for what we wanted um, and for other new use cases. Um, but yeah, too, it's an interesting assertion from Zengo on that other call. I'm going to have to, if you have a recording, I want to go back and listen to that because, yeah, it is still software. Uh, firmware is software program onto this bespoke device. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's an interesting idea. Um, but the hardware is a component of it, though. So I guess I'd have to learn more about that perspective to, yeah. to better Just the, the angle. I'll, I'll get that. I'll grab that uh, convoy shortly. But yeah, you, when I looked at your offering, you're like the most hardware of the hardware wallets, I think, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, because it's big and chunky. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, so well, not just that, obviously the screen and the safe card <laughs> technology and other things, you're like the other more hardware of the hardware wallets, right? Yeah, so well, there's a few things, reasons for that. Um, one, the big screen is because what we were signing with Ethereum, and this applies to all smart contract chains, required more than just verifying that end user address, you know, the recipient address for a basic send. So that was important to be able to display more complex signing requests because in reality, what people do on smart contract chains, and that's the vast majority of signing by, you know, many hundreds to one today versus just pure value transfer. Um, we're doing complicated things. You're curating an NFT collection. You're interacting with a DeFi protocol. Um, you can't verify that on the little screen. So that was just the first fundamental difference is that we had to break out the useful information uh, that people needed to to see what they're actually doing without flying blind. Um, no more blind yeah, we no do more blind signing. No more blind signing. Yeah. Blind signing and, and blind signing is really how most people use hardware wallets. So there's a little bit of an educational component. You know, I know people don't read user manuals, so we, we want to make it as easy as an intuitive as impossible. And we've got a long way to go on that. Um, like everybody does, there's nothing that's good enough yet with software and hardware wallets and a lot of this tech in general. Um, but that's what we're working towards. That's the goal. Um, yeah. And then the other things that we did were that were different. Um, so yeah, we wanted to break out all this information. And then we also, one of the things that's kind of unique about it is uh, another way that we see people uh, encounter problems is seed phrase management. That's like a really confusing thing to throw at people. Um, and there aren't great guides for the best practices. And if you read some of the guides from people who consider themselves authorities on the matter, they tell you to do kind of like crazy or weird things. Um, so, you know, we're working with cryptography and we're telling everybody to do these weird physical things to secure written text. Um, so we use safeguards, which are just basically the same kind of chip that's in your, your credit card. Um, so it's a heavily battle tested technology. And then we encrypt your seed phrase. So your private keys can be on a card. The device doesn't need the cards to work. It's a hardware wallet and signer and everything on its own. But when then with the cards, um, you, have, you can either have backups of both your seed phrase and the keys. Um, or you can use them uh, to switch between any number of wallets. So it's like, um, for example, with like a, a USB thumbstick style wallet, if you have more than one seed phrase and you've spun up more than one wallet over the years, 
you get to buy more than one of them. Um, with us, we just have one signing hub for anything. Um, so all you need to do to switch between seed phrases, pop in the card, and then you can have addresses from all of those connected to the software you're using. Um, so we actually found from user research that the average customer of ours and people in crypto, they tend to have at least five wallets they're actively using. Um, so this is something that like lets you manage all of it from a single spot. Um, again, because we're taking this different approach because we were smart contract chain oriented and uh, no one else was really looking in that area early on. When we were building this, it was definitely, I think, looked like a crazy person project to uh, people who had taken a more traditional approach. But yeah, those are the main things that differentiate how uh, smart contract chain users uh, and what we're doing is is different than sort of how people conceive of a hardware wallet. So single signer for all your wallets, secure backups um, and flexibility on that front, and then being able to better see what you're signing, actually break out the transaction so it looks closer to what you see in you know, MetaMask or Rabi or whatever you're you're into using. Yeah, I pretty I pretty much like the uh, the safe card idea, and how you can literally just sort of you know chop and change accounts by literally just changing the card. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, you know, I think what that's kind of analogous to for me, and, and this is account management. No matter how you're using crypto, um, I try to you know explain to people. Think of uh, best practices for your card as something like how you manage like your checking and savings accounts. Um, you don't want everything on a hardware wallet that you're going to carry around with you all day. Like uh, if you invest in stocks and you have a retirement fund, do you cash that out and take it around as a bear instrument when you want to run to the grocery store? Um, it's not practical. It's not secure. So people should be splitting things up in a way. And you can do that with a single wallet with multiple addresses. But the idea is like the stuff that you don't touch, set it aside, don't actively sign with it. Um, if you're minting NFTs and you're uh, you're YOLOing into all kinds of new protocols. Well, then, like, have a separate active active use wallet for that, and you can um, differentiate between them and, and kind of segment this so that if you have a problem with one, you make a mistake, it doesn't wipe you out overall. Um, and so, the cards are kind of an easy way of facilitating that, and also something that uh, once you use it, it feels pretty intuitive because people are used to the the format. Um, so, yeah, pop in what you need and. Uh, then disconnect it when you don't uh, have a need to actually use those accounts. Um, there's a lot more to it, but yeah. Just but, when I looked at the device, and I, I love how you've got the breakdown of how it's actually like built and put together. When I looked at it, the first thing that went through my mind was like, wow, this is an institutional grade like device. Uh, I mean, you you guys obviously, are, you're direct to consumer uh, at the moment. Is that correct? Are you guys direct to consumer? Yeah, or? we've... <clears throat> we are, but um, we also are addressing that side of things as well. And there's an absolutely a need there. Um, That's what I thought, talked, yeah. Have you got an enterprise, have you got like an enterprise portion of the business or what, what's happening on that front? If you so don't mind. That, that's something we're going to focus on more. We've, we've talked to a lot of the big exchanges. Um, you know, we've talked to uh, family offices and prop trading funds, and they've kind of told us how they do things, what they need. Um but yeah, the things that make this sort of institutional grade uh, and different than other offerings is we have a pretty unique physical security. Um, in layman's terms, the device is pretty much booby trapped um, in that everything on the secure side of this, um, and that includes drawn, what's drawn on the screen, 
we have it um, behind this thing called an LDS mesh, which is a physical anti-tamper device. So it's like a 3D maze of electrical traces that surrounds all of this stuff and it always has a signal running through it. And if a hardware hacker uh, tries to um, open up the device, mess with it, what it does is just erase everything. It erases your secret so that they can't be accessed. Uh, whereas there are like earlier hardware wallets that are still you know, popular um, where there's kind of this gray market of uh, it's called like seed, seed seed recovery or private key recovery, which is really like a euphemism for um, you send us a wallet and we get the keys out for you uh, and we're going to keep 20% of what's on there. Um, so we have that that physical security, which is important for when you get to the point of, you know, we built for a world in which crypto had systemic significance. And I think we're there and I think it's only growing. So when you have uh, an institutional custodian or something, a lot of them have their own very bespoke approaches to things. Um, but you need something that can't be stolen off a desk and create a massive issue and massive losses. Um, the other thing that, you know, without getting too far into the weeds on it, um, what institutions really want from us too is like having a terminal like this at a desk and having traders or whomever needs access to crypto assets be able to take a safe card and sort of badge in and sign for the things that they should be having access to. Um, so it's an area we're exploring, but really um, there's so many applications uh, for crypto and for our secure hardware that really what we're focused on is just smart contract chain users more than anything. Um, Bitcoin and, you know, Litecoin and value transfer chains, security for them with hardware, it's a pretty well-solved problem. Um, they don't evolve at the same pace, which is a matter of intent and philosophy. Um, so we tried to differentiate ourselves by catering to smart contract chain users, um, which is really interesting because, you know, a lot of the stuff we've talked about is very technical, but uh, my favorite example of where this was kind of a fit in a surprising way was when nfts took off <clears throat> um nft users were a really fascinating cohort because you know normally for early crypto nerds all right you have centralized exchanges you buy on you learn you have training wheels um and then you start reading and you learn more you send assets off chain you experiment um with NFT users, there's this whole group of people that weren't deep crypto nerds, but were interested in the application layer and, you know, actually owning something digital demonstrably, um, a digital bearer asset. And um, we threw them into the deep end of the pool without a, a swimming lesson um, because there weren't centralized tools for people to curate their NFT collection. So that was, that was really interesting. And that also made this group of people uh, a very popular target. Uh, for scammers. Um, so that's kind of like uh, been our initial fit and in, you know, what we're targeting are just end users who um, want to be able to have additional peace of mind uh, when they just do, want to do all the things they do on chain. Like it's it's the, the safety net um, for when you do the things that you already want to do. Justin, you want you know the one use case this like screamed at me was validators, and especially uh, those obviously validating on proof of stake chains. You know where we've just had this case, and we've, we've there's, there's a proposition I believe going to go forward soon about key regeneration. But we have just had an issue where one of like the major major validators right across many Cosmos chains, yeah, uh, 
they had a little bit of a mutiny or coup d'etat, you could say. And kind of one of the guys has been holding the keys like ransom. And the guy that was in charge of like a lot of the nodes kind of thing. But so basically, I'm thinking about delegated signing responsibility. So are you basically saying that certain entities within an organization, like a validator organization, could say sign transactions without ever being in possession of like the keys? Yeah. So we don't have it set up that way as of now in terms of what users can access for ethereum we do have um validator key management it needs you know to be built out a little further but it's been live for a while um but that's actually it's really interesting that you touched on that because that was one of the things that we set out to address and a little bit of why we have this more robust system um because we were ethereum nerds at the time we wanted to make a device that would be a turnkey staking box um so the idea of a plug and play validator was really exciting, but we started this so early that those specs evolved so much that that became infeasible. We had done experiments with this where uh, we were running, you know, many instances of Lighthouse uh, cross compiled onto this, um, which is one of like the main um, Ethereum uh, consensus layer clients, where, you know, in conjunction with a separate computer as well. But it became impractical as the, the specs changed over time. So yeah, that is actually something like uh, proof of stake uh, validator key management, absolutely something that um, we are trying to address. The other thing I'm, there I'm, too, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't like know that. And things like double signing, right? Which gets like your tombstone and stuff like, so I'm presuming as well, if you've got like a readable screen format, I, I mean, I'm not too sure how it works. I'm not a validator, but I can imagine double signing could be mitigated as well, surely to some degree oh yeah absolutely but kind of what you're talking about more is the idea of like having it programmatically sign automatically when you have physical access to it something that can be done but it's not something we've we've uh, actively you know we we haven't pursued that as like a primary thing because the the biggest thing we want to address is is consumers right now the end user um like it's very scary <laughs> not scary but I think it's more concerning talking to users directly uh, about what they're going through because I don't think, even though people know there are so many hacks and so many ways that people try to get scammed, I don't think they know how pervasive it truly is. And I've seen and talked to plenty of really sophisticated users uh, who, uh, you know, it's it's almost daily basically. And when people talk about these things publicly, it's the tip of the iceberg. I think sometimes people feel embarrassed to talk about it and they should be asking the basic questions. Um, but there's a little bit of like an attitude, especially with crypto Twitter, where everyone wants to present themselves as an expert instead of learning more. I mean, I guess that's human nature in, in general with a lot of things. <laughs> Joseph, um, do you know but, what? We've just had like five, I think we've just had like five or six uh, major uh, protocol level SIM swaps, right? In the last... Yeah. Uh, Two months on Cosmos, Skip Protocol, uh, Nomic, uh, Shared Protocol, Jackal Pro. I mean, dude, people can't even secure their own Web 2 shit. Never mind their Web 3 shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing. Like, you don't have to posture as an expert. I mean, like, Vitalik gets them swapped. Um, and then super smart protocol devs uh, fell for this NFT mint scam that was posted by his Twitter account. 
Um, so it happens to everybody. And it also shows that we as an industry are not doing enough for users yet. And we kind of sweep this issue under the rug. Um, or we say it's like a user education thing or worse, people on Twitter actually like make fun of people for falling for these things, but it happens to everybody. I don't think I know anyone who's been in the space for years that hasn't had some sort of incident. Um, you mentioned SIM swapping. I uh, had a SIM swap attempt a couple of months ago as well. Um, and it was, I knew what was going on and I still didn't quite know how to process it. So what happened all of a sudden I start getting like 10 text messages a second and they're all signing me up for like different mailing lists and all different languages. And out of these thousands of text messages, I was lucky enough to see the one that said, um, you know, this is your carrier. We're moving your phone number to a new number, um, uh, to a new device. And if you don't respond within 15 minutes, uh, this will automatically go through. I had actually set up the additional security protocols requiring ID at the carrier. And yet still somehow this happened. Um, and then, I mean, that's terrifying. I mean, losing access to accounts and all the things that we're still forced to do second factor authentication for with uh, SMS, with text messages, which is terrible. Uh, having that all tied to my phone would have been a, a nightmare. Um, yeah, so, I'm a big advocate against anything like that. So Justin, I live in a foreign country. I know we were in yeah. DMs a little bit, but uh, I'm obviously English and I live in Bangkok, you know, so... I'm always at the mindset that I might have to leave this country at any given moment. I do not want my details or my, you know, wealth tied to like a Thai mobile phone number if I can't get back in the country or anything, you know? You know what I'm saying? There's just no oh, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. it's just a mess. I mean, even you're talking about the Web2 side of things. Yeah, now we've got password managers and we're getting passkey technology. But, you know, what we ask of every user uh, you know the tech industry in a general in general not even just crypto like oh you were supposed to manage a thousand critical passwords and it's not feasible i actually think with private key signing and you know a login via private keys yes there's trade-offs but it can actually be better in a lot of ways and i think we're going to get to a much better uh, portable universal login type solution uh, using cryptography um not necessarily using crypto but cryptography private key cryptography um, but yeah, man, it, it, it's impossible to navigate. Um, and I get notifications all the time from, you know, websites I even forgot I visited years ago that, oh, there's been a data breach. Um, so that's been another ongoing thing. I mean, uh, working in crypto using my real name, uh, you know, I have targeted phishing attacks all the time. Um, and, you know, my own personal data is in the ledger data breach. Um, one of the, the times where they lost their customer data. Um, so I think that's a factor in it. So it's an ongoing battle and it's not easy enough for everybody. And even working in this space and working in security, uh, it's, it's a struggle to keep up. So our goal is to make it easier for everybody. Uh, and it's never ended. I'm lucky enough to have never had any data breached personally. How did that like fail? Did you... I mean, is it difficult to regain any trust in a company that does that with your own personal data? Um, well, I don't want to talk about that example in particular about my. I understand. That. I, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I mean, I understand. It, it matters. I will say that because I was personally impacted um, by their choices, um, and 
things that they opted to do, like you have to opt out of them selling your user data. That's we took a, a reaction when we started the company to go in the opposite direction and we delete all user data. We don't want to have it. Um, it's a, a liability. And I think it's also a reaction to the fact that we've been impacted by all of these things directly. Um, so yeah, once, once your info is out there, it's out there for good. And so I use services now, like, you know, the, I'm not sure if you've seen all the data aggregators When you look up someone's name and city, you get all these kind of clickbaity sites that, you know, pull in information about them, addresses or phone numbers. Um, I use a site called Easy Opt-Outs to try to, it basically automatically deletes you and opts out of all of these services. But yeah, I mean, once my information's on the dark web, um, it's, it's there and available for sale forever. And uh, so that's, it's really informed how we approach things as a company. I think it's actually crazy to web two people that we would delete customer data that could be used for market research. And that data is one of the most valuable things out there. But that's how a Web3 is different. We're developing tools in Web3 for people to take responsibility for securing their own finances, their own personal information, um, their logins, all of these things. Um, we want to make it easy for them to recover them. Self-custody is super scary. Uh, but it's a reaction to how badly all that stuff is messed up. Personally, I'm a, a privacy advocate. Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the EFF, which is a great organization like uh, that um, protects digital freedoms. Um, and you know, I think crypto is a a key component of that. You know, maybe for the NFT community, that's you know too far, not maybe not a point of interest. Um, but for me, it really matters because I've seen how my own data has been used. And once everything's out in these aggregators, like in the U.S., for example, um, they don't really need to subpoena you for a lot of information any longer because they can just buy it from third parties. Because when you use that free software on your cell phone, you're signing away your data uh, and the rights to this information, um, whether that be your location, uh, your preferences, your interests. Um, it's all out there, all aggregated, and it is a huge industry. So. I hope that crypto can help be part of a, a remedy to all of this. Justin, you must be psychic because, I mean, when you were mentioning like we and the company, I was about to go down that route, right, and just talk to you about the organization and the team. But I, I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, before I go into that, I'm going to take like five minutes out and just ask him about like his own like view. I mean, you know, are you a DeFi maxi? I am a privacy advocate, and that's why I invited Red Eye up when you actually started talking. So, yeah, so Red Eye here, he's just jumped up. He's from uh, Secret Foundation. He works on uh, Shared Protocol at the moment, Justin, yeah, which is, a, mm -hmm. a, again, a, a private protocol. But uh, he's a big privacy advocate. So I was just about to ask you that. I mean, apart from the privacy, are you big, like, in the NFTs? Do you love a bit of DeFi? What about Justin, the person, when he's not working? Any free time? Uh, well, it's not a very exciting answer, but uh, it's not that much free time. I've got two kids and they dominate my life and I love them. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I have to say for better or for worse, and sometimes it's for worse, uh, crypto is one of those things like even when you're frustrated by it some days, it's just always interesting and always moving quickly. So I, I have NFTs. 
uh, I never got into curating like a big expensive NFT collection. But what I try to do, uh, maybe it's just because of how I learn. Um, I can I can read blogs and announcements all day, and it will kind of go in one ear and out the other. So I just try everything. Um, that's what that works for me, and I think that informs our choices for how we develop things. Like we dog food it, we we try everything, um, so we get that user perspective. Uh, so yeah, I mean I, I use DeFi, uh, I use NFTs. Uh, one of my favorite things to show like the NFTs can be more than just digital art, which is important in and of itself. I love this thing, um, POAP, which is, it, it seems like a cheesy little thing, but it's kind of fascinating. It's the proof of attendance protocol, which issues uh, NFTs that are on Gnosis chain, which is, um, used to be called XDAI. But the idea is like you go to an event and you have, um, you know, it's like badge you get just from going to that. But what became fascinating to me about this was like, the composability of it. So now, you know, we can do things like, oh, did you go to this conference? Um, you know, okay, now we can run a contest for you. Or if you did a combination of these things, we know that you're a real person and then we're going to allow you to vote on a particular topic. Um, so I feel like all these composable building blocks, um, you mentioned like how fast everything is evolving. I don't, I think we don't even really know all the fascinating ways all these things are going to get plugged in together. Um, so yeah, NFTs are so much more. I also think about, um, there's an old company uh, called Slocket, um, notorious in, in some ways, but really fascinating because they talked about um, essentially, you know, uh, you know, I think the modern application of this would be like an NFT as a key to like an Airbnb or something else, a physical asset, renting something. Um, and so this idea of just it's a real one, aren't they? I mean, you can get little microchips. Uh, you know the uh, what is it? The near field communication the NFC stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Or like RFID chip NFC. Yeah. Oh, bro, it's amazing. It's like because uh, the pop when you mentioned the pop, I mean that's what we did. We've we've released seven singles this year. Uh, we released one EP, four singles on one blockchain. We've just released single number three of EP two on another blockchain. But what we did is to get the first ever single, you had to like attend five shows in a row. And for each show, you got your own NFT. And the people that had the five NFTs, we then uh, dropped their uh, first single of, of like the, the new album. So dude, it's it's so engaging what you can do with your audience. I, and we've got Red Eye up. Uh, Red Eye on that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Grid Plus, major wallet charts, you know, all about the privacy, security, exactly like you guys. Uh, you came up at the right time, Red Eye. Uh, do you want to? come in with anything for justin uh no i mean this is my first time hearing about grid plus it's been really cool to uh to learn about it let me make sure i can you guys can hear me um yeah i mean anytime anytime i hear individuals are like very privacy uh focused gives me a little bit of extra hope that uh you know this narrative is is becoming a little bit more mainstream and uh you know I, I think uh, privacy is a really unique niche of uh, of crypto um, or blockchain technology just because as PVP as this industry might feel uh, at times, I think the privacy uh, niche is much more, uh, I don't know what the right word, is, the right word is here, like wholesome, like we're all 
trying to get to the same point and any of us that gets an inch closer is good for the rest of us. Um, yeah. I, I guess, uh, Justin, have you heard of... Uh, privacy and Web3 goes hand, and Web3 goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah. Decentralization and privacy go hand in hand. They're, they're a match made in heaven. Have there. you heard of uh, UPA, Justin? You uh, no, no, I actually I don't know it often. I'd love to, to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, so the Universal Privacy Alliance is basically like a coalition of different Web3 projects that are focused on building privacy solutions and providing um, like, I guess, uh, just uh, maybe more generalized support when it comes to like lobbying efforts. Uh, it, yeah, I, I would highly suggest checking it out. Um, I think there are some of the founding members or founding groups are like Zcash, uh, Oasis, Secret Network. Um, I think Carter was actually the one to spin up this group initially to like originally organize everyone. Uh, Carter is, uh, he's one of the lead researchers for Shade Protocol, the, uh, the group that I contribute to. It's a, uh, private DeFi ecosystem built on secret network. But um, yeah, just, I, I always love hearing about how people are pushing the privacy narrative forward. And that's really awesome that you guys are building, um, you know, uh, it's wallet. Uh, like you're building more privacy oriented wallets, right? Yeah, a hardware wallet with a different approach. And, you know, our focus is on smart contract chains. But on that side, I just care about this stuff personally. And I'm glad you said all of that. Uh, you know, the most popular take on crypto is that, oh, it's just a, it's just a pointless casino and it's all speculation. But I know that people with a perspective like yours, you know, we know that there is fundamental value to a lot of what's being built. And yeah, people want to make money and they want to have fun and they want to try ridiculous things. And that's kind of what keeps a lot of this exciting. Um, but I do believe um, that when it comes to personal privacy, you know, it goes hand in hand with a history of, of cryptography in and of itself. I mean, private key cryptography enables so much. And I, I love that you're, you're working in this area. Um, in particular, you know, one thing was um, one of our, our former engineers I was really proud of. He was one of the plaintiffs uh, against the government because he had money in um, tornado cash. So he was part of the Coinbase lawsuit, uh, which was uh, saying, hey, I'm a legitimate user. Uh, this is why I use this. It's to preserve my personal privacy and my, you know, my safety. Uh, in his particular instance, he was running like uh, kind of like a prosumer, semi-pro um, proof of stake, like validation uh, setup, right? And he didn't want everyone to see all the flows from the people that he was securing assets for. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to want to retain some degree of privacy uh, when you move around those kinds of assets. So enormously proud. That's Kevin uh, Vital, uh, one of our, our former lead software engineers. Um, so this is all close to our heart. And yeah, I mean, pr privacy, it's funny that, you know, things have changed so much. I don't think the average person knows how far the pendulum has swung uh, away from personal privacy norms that we all took for granted. I think the people on this call, we're going to be the last generation that actually knows what it's like interacting with physical cash with a degree of convenience. Um, for me, a real eye-opening moment is a, I've traveled to China a bunch and a few years back prior to the pandemic, 
um, just seeing the transition from acceptance of digital cash to just WeChat QR codes for everything, which is you know readily transparent to the government, showing your location and everything else. Um, that was kind of surreal. Uh, I didn't. It just kind of hit me out of nowhere, and it's the same sort of thing where you know, all our parents and prior generations they grew up with the idea that two people can interact directly, they can exchange value, and that's just the normal course of things. And now uh, people aren't entirely concerned about the fact that when you make a financial transaction, details of that are bundled and sold for all manner of reasons, uh, advertising. Um, law enforcement. And, and that's okay. I mean, privacy is a counterbalance between legitimate concerns on both ends. Yeah. I, I think people want to some extent law enforcement to go after bad guys. Um, there are reasons why sometimes people should look into, you know, the activities of an individual when it benefits the collective good. That said, it's at such an extreme right now with our data being sold uh, you know, the, the term uh, that stands out is um, surveillance capitalism with data being the most precious commodity, uh, everyone's personal info, because it can be used to influence them, sell to them. Um, it's just wild how far things have come. And I think uh, crypto uh, and then distributed systems in general um, and, you know, private key cryptography outside of the context of cryptocurrency, that's kind of the natural antidote. Um, so that's why I feel so passionate about all this stuff and why I feel very lucky to be working in this space in an area where um, I know what I'm doing helps empower people and I'm trying to help keep people safe. And whether they're doing that in pursuit of something noble or uh, trading a coin called Nick Cage Waluigi 42069, um, either way, <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, uh, I sorry, bro. Made me laugh out loud there. Like that, that, that pretty much sums up the current marketplace right now, doesn't it? Entire industry. I would, I would definitely suggest you check out again. Like I said, this is the first time I've heard of Grid Plus. Um, I would hmm. definitely suggest checking out uh, Starshell Wallet. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. Okay. Um, but they're a uh, privacy-preserving open-source uh, browser extension wallet that was built specifically with uh, Secret Network in mind, but it's also um, applicable for all Cosmos chains. Um, it so far, based on what I've seen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go and definitely check out Grid Plus. Um, obviously, there are different types of wallets: one's hardware, one's browser extension. But um, it's the most privacy-oriented wallet that i've i've ever seen um it just seems like it's right up your alley that'd be super cool if you could uh kind of merge the two like you know, I, I don't i don't think i don't think you can describe grid plus as being a hardware uh, wallet i think it's it, like industrial grid fucking hardware wallet when you go and look at it <laughs> this thing's this little battle tank like it is it's fucking insane bro i was yeah. like what yeah, it's it's definitely different. And then, you know, people have prior expectations based on what they're using. I mean, I got drawerfuls of uh, hardware wallets. I mean, I was such a crypto dork. I think it was like when I got my first ledger, I don't know, it was 2015, 2016. I, they came with a little lanyard and I wore the, the stupid thing around my neck like a talisman because it just, I don't know, it was like a physical embodiment of my uh, my involvement in crypto. On Starshell Wallet, I'm actually really excited about that. So. 
I think maybe why some of the people on the call may not be as familiar with us. And, and you know, we're small in, in general as well. We're a small team. Um, Justin, we, can, you know, I, can, I ask, can I ask you on this part? I don't want to interject, but it's a perfect point because this is a real question I had written down for quite a while. So, uh, I mean, if I look at a, a product, I'm going to like evaluate it on its like, you know, its features, its advantages and its benefits, right? Uh, price point. So do you think that maybe the price point at the minute or whatever, and I know why the price point's where it is. You just have to go and look at the tech. But do you think that's like a barrier if like someone looks and they're looking at like a Nano S or something like that? Because I, I did look at the price point and think that's probably the only barrier to entry for, uh, you know, mass retail. I mean, you're a quality. Oh, are you okay there? I don't know if your reception's all right, Justin. You're oh yeah, no, I can hear you fine. Sorry, I was just muting, so I didn't get the. Uh, yeah, the you're a quality. That. You're a quality premium product, uh, Justin. That's all. Like, I, I can get where the price point comes from, but do you think that's a barrier? How would what would you say at a retail if they were looking at it and you know they were fifty fifty thinking about it? Oh, so I mean that's absolutely important, and I think when it comes to crypto, I mean even getting people to buy a cheap hardware wallet. Um, is a challenge. People are, they're, com they're comfortable with good enough until something bad happens to them or to someone that they know directly. Um, but yeah, so the interesting thing about it is that uh, at least for users that have more than one wallet, it's actually more economical because you have all your seed phrases on a single signing hub. Uh, to someone dipping their toes in, yeah, it's, it's overkill. Uh, you know, if someone's grandmother said, you know, how do I store my, you know, $200 worth of crypto? I'd say keep it on Coinbase, they're FDIC insured. I know that's not a great answer, uh, but, you know, there's different solutions for everybody. There's always going to be a range of, you know, do you need something enterprise grade? Um, you know, but uh, actually that's kind of the thing. And so I have with the safeguards and of course, you know, I'm, I'm biased and I use my, my own product to sign every day. I mean, I've got every wallet I've spun up is on a card and then I have them all connected to uh, all the software wallets I use. So I do things like I use a tool like Earnify, uh, which scans for airdrops. Uh, so any old wallet I have, um, it's hardware secured still, but I can just put in the card and spin that up and claim. So for me, it becomes more economical. You'll see actually like the BTC focused, uh, like USB style, Hardware wallets, they sell four packs. Um, in our box, you get one safe card and the device already. So it's like two hardware wallets. Again, overkill for someone dipping their toe in, but actually economical if you are signing off. And, and it, it's funny, we used to do just these security AMAs. Like we've actually talked a lot more about Grid Plus on the call than people usually like to. I wanted to sort of establish trust, you know, first and tell people, hey, we know we're here to keep you safe first and foremost before we try to sell you anything. And you should be able to come to us even asking questions about things that don't pertain to our products, but do pertain to security. And, um, oh man, where was I going with that one? So, uh, yeah, oh, did, this I, was, I, you know why I asked, you know why I asked you about the price is because. Oh yeah, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. I just want to say that anecdote real quick was just that, you know, we actually felt sheepish about the price at first when we were doing these security AMAs and we went to go talk to um, this NFT community where people want to learn a lot of the basics. And, you know, we're like, we know it's an expensive device and we brought it up and they're like, 
you realize everyone listening on this uh, Discord stage has like a $15,000 PFP. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I think in terms of the amount of money sloshing around, uh, sooner or later people come around to the idea that um, a couple hundred bucks, if you are going to keep money in crypto and keep actively engaged and actively signing, it's worth it for the peace of mind. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what you reminded me of? And I don't mean that by the end result, I mean by the product like skew offering is Blackberry. I was like, when I looked, I was like, this is a two skew player. There's the enterprise offering and then there's a standard retail offering. But it's like at the moment, there's just like the one offering that's, you know, for the both essentially. Whereas like, I don't know, like I, this is validated great stuff. This stuff, this is definitely kind of like the kind of tech and hardware level that like series. I mean, there's Tank down there. Tank, this is the kind of device that you should have, like without a shadow of a doubt. This is what should be, you know, securing a portion of your asset on different cards, different wallets. Like it's very, very interesting, mind Justin. When I went down the rabbit hole, I was like, it's one of those you don't know it exists, but when you do find out about it, it's like, Holy fuck, this is like really cool, yeah. But I definitely think there's an enterprise player and a retail player, you know. Oh, yeah. So we, that's absolutely true. But that was our our design constraints that you know, we wanted to build something that was for a world in which cryptocurrency had systemic importance and it's something that everybody could rely on. And then, you know, not that we want to poke the bear, but also on the hardware side we're like what is something that would protect your private keys if a, a three-letter agency had, you know, physical control, you know, physical possession of your device? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're building towards that over time as we grow. Yeah, we're going to do subsequent devices. You know, we can keep iterating off of our tech stack. And I think, yeah, we're going to slim things down. We're going to keep the cards, but we're we're going to keep going. And uh, I think you'll see that the degree of seriousness that we brought to this product, which is enterprise grade, I think we'll be able to streamline it and make it even more accessible for the average user over time. Yeah, takes a while to get there. Hardware moves slow. I did want to circle back to something that Red-Eyed Bear said, though, too, about um, oh, okay. starting. Can we, can we just make sure that we do finish off just to find out about you and the team before you leave? I know you've got another call coming up, but as long as we can fit just a quick uh, overview. But, yeah, what was that about Red-Eye? You circling back, yeah? Oh, no, just to, I was mentioning that uh, So we don't yet support Cosmos, but we're in touch with Kepler, and I definitely want to explore Starshell because – you know, with our smart contract chain focus, what we did was try to go super deep with the EVM and Ethereum chains first, because that was our area of expertise. And we brought something pretty unique there um, in the coming year. Now we want to bring that to, we're going to be bringing that to Solana. Uh, we've been in touch with Kepler. We haven't dug in on the work yet, but uh, well, actually we have done a lot of the background work necessary, but we haven't started the integration. Um, so Starshell is, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. It seems like a perfect fit for when we start focusing on the Cosmos ecosystem and uh, I'm excited uh, with the dog footing I mentioned to dig in and learn more and, and try everything on Cosmos as well. Dude, you're more than welcome to come and talk to us anytime with proper maxis. But it's interesting you mentioned Starshell because 95% of our audience are maxis and they probably don't know what Starshell is. You had to be way back in the day to remember when people were talking about it. this is when Kepler were building out their framework and stuff. Uh, so, Justin, I mean, we would normally have this question at the beginning, but it's a We've done a little bit of a reverse, so yeah, you could see on this interview, for want of a better expression, that you mentioned about the team. We 
wholeheartedly buy into like teams and you know we're we're big advocates against things like bloat uh, i'm sure you'll know web3 companies love a bit of bloat now it's very different talking to like people who run l1s because we know exactly our dapps that you know that uh that build dapps we know how things are done back end front end but with what you guys do it's obviously a lot different you're obviously i don't know where the production takes place uh is, is it us based production or is it yeah yeah we manufacture everything in uh, austin texas that's pretty cool by the way I, I like that mind i will say that's a big fucking tick right so uh what, what what's the team i mean i know you've got to jump for a call another call soon but very quickly yeah what what's the makeup of the team like how did you get together how was this kind of uh, incubated from day one if you don't mind uh, just telling us that little story well that, that's actually a bit of a long story but the idea behind this originally was we were trying to build out some other real world use cases for hardware security and we found there was nothing that met our needs you know we mentioned trying to do like a turnkey validator um, for a proof of stake. Um, and we were like, okay, there's nothing that can programmatically sign. Uh, you know, original hardware wallets weren't built for this. And what we saw uh, that people were using were these really expensive dongles called a YubiKey HSM2. It was like 650 bucks, just a little tiny thing that, that fits into your, uh, your USB port, but it lets you programmatically sign. So we wanted something flexible that was focused on all the new use cases that crypto is enabling beyond just value transfer. Um, that's kind of the genesis of it, but we're a distributed team. We've got people in Europe, in the US, um, and it's a weird mix uh, from crypto nerds. Uh, our CFO is a hardcore accountant CPA who keeps everything on the rails. And then, you know, on the more interesting side of things, we've actually um, pulled in personnel from the defense industry who have worked in uh, intelligence uh, applications for applied cryptography for a long time and uh, offensive pen testing. Um, so we're we're very grateful to be taking that degree of expertise to uh, our weird crypto hobbyist project that has has grown so much. Um, but yeah, we're we're remote first. We do the manufacturing on Austin, but we focus on with a small team what we do best, which is the actual engineering. Um, and then we use contract manufacturing. We manufacture it at an ITAR facility, which means it's also used for defense contracting and it's in the US. So we know precisely who has eyes on everything and we are not concerned about you know, supply chain attacks. Um, then, uh, you know, we also have like third-party logistics. So everything is scalable and we're focusing on the engineering and what we're actually passionate about. Uh, I'm actually not even in Texas. Uh, our manufacturing is down there. Our lead hardware engineer is in Austin. I'm up in Boston in the Northeastern United States. Um, and yeah, it's just a weird, wonderful world that I'm lucky to be part of with, uh, being part of, uh, <laughs> building something like this remotely and talking crypto all day with people like you. I'm very lucky. I I also believe that actually that stamp of American made on a security device like this is a real resounding kind of stamp of legitimacy, by the way. Like I feel a lot happier using a, a hardware, if you want to call a firmware, some people, but a hardware device that's been manufactured like somewhere I trust, you know, rather than the Far East, let's say. Uh, Justin, I, I wouldn't normally do this, but you've just triggered me so much tonight. And I say thanks down there. And I'm a big fan of what they've been trying to do. 
Uh, you were mentioning about obviously Starshell and stuff and Cosmos and Kepler. Dude, I mean, somehow, somewhere, uh, we should definitely get you talking to like some of the uh, people involved in like Juno and stuff. Uh, tanks uh, on the operations, but it's the it's the ultimate like smart contract and platform. You know, it's the original permissionless uh, Wild West, uh, Justin. We could say, but there's a lot of stuff going on with DAOs uh, in regards to they've created a charter, and the entire like, chain has been handed over essentially to the community. And it's a really weird thing that's going on. But there's a lot of uh, sub DAOs that are going to be in charge of like high level things and stuff. And I just I don't know that I see some synergy. Uh, I mean, Tank just hasn't got along because he's got another call coming up soon. But I'd love to. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, get on another call or maybe uh, we can find out. But just there's a lot of stuff going on in regards to kind of like wallets, wallet signing. Uh, high level value having to be managed and I would love to just when you were like you know you were like with smart contract first and foremost like smart contract nerds like this is like what Juno is so yeah thanks down there maybe we can continue this convo further offline or at a later date but I definitely see some form of uh, synergy there like if I'm being honest with you at the moment the way yeah. things are moving yeah I'd absolutely love that. I mean, there's so much more I want to explore and not enough hours in the day. And uh, if I can learn directly from the people that are passionate about this and involved, um, yeah, I'd love it. We're, we're going to be looking at this probably mid next year when we can get to Kepler support. Um, but I'm really excited to dig in and uh, do something special. Um, and yeah, going broadly, multi-chain is, is part of our mandate for the coming year and doing something different for all the smart contract chains out there, bringing a, a higher degree of security. So yeah. Uh, let's keep the conversation going. I had a lot of fun today. Oh, dude, I was about to say, yeah, we always like put our guests like first and foremost. Compared to like normal spaces, Justin, how's today's been? Has it been all right? You've enjoyed like we we call these the campfire chats, you know, sitting around with your friends, just having a bit of a chat. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. You know, I don't want to give you too too rave a review. I don't want to give you an ego, but yeah, man, it was it was fun. <laughs> I could I could I could do this all day. I I love this stuff. Um, so I, I always love talking to people who also love it and are passionate about it as well. Well, Justin, you can see people down there in the audience, right? We've got Sentinel, uh, who run the DVPN there, L1, which is like a decentralized VPN, uh, virtual private network. Yeah. We've got other people who come in like regularly, like L1s and like our audience is probably the most educated audience you'll ever meet. It's got anything to do with like Cosmos, IBC, but we do obviously, you know, we're not just plebs. We don't just stick to like one thing. We're out there in Solana and we're doing meme coins on Avalanche, whatever. But you're part of the family now, Justin. Just like DVPN, he comes back as a listener. Some people, you know, when we have the unrecorded stuff, people just come back and chat shit. But yeah, dude, you're part of the family now. Uh, I'm, I'm, do you know something? I, I'm, I'm going to get one of these. Like, I think I'm going to have to make the move. I'm just that impressed. So if anybody hasn't done it, guys, go and check out Grid Plus. Go and just look at the breakdown of this thing. Go and look how it's constructed and built, right? And then I think it's like 400 bucks. That price point for that level of tech, uh, that like, that is, it's just an iPhone of, it, it is, isn't it? It's the, the iPhone of fucking signers. And if you've like got decent, you know, decent valuable NFTs, well, get on the case. And uh, that, that, that's pretty much all I've got to say, like, just is that when I went down the rabbit hole, 
I was severely impressed and that's not often it happens. And then I'm like, let's get them on a show. And then, dude, you've passed the sniff test with fly and fucking colours, dude, tonight. So from from us to you, thank you very much, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. I really had a great time today. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it opened up a whole lot of new threads that I think I'm going to be exploring over the coming year. So let's keep it going. This was fun. And uh, yeah, you guys can help kind of direct. I, I would love to have more resources about, you know, on the user level, what's exciting in the Cosmos ecosystem in the IBC world. Uh, I have a lot of learning to do, and I'm glad to have some great allies on that front. Yeah, man, you're welcome back anytime, Justin. And and on that note, brother, I wish you a very happy Merry Christmas, right, and a fantastic New Year. Uh, all the best to you and the company. And guys, go and, go and check out Grid Plus and give them a follow. Yeah, and if you're feeling rich, if you're making some money on main coins, well, then buy yourself a little Christmas present. Tell them, Mr. Say, this is what I want for Christmas. But I, I do really want to explore this like tank. I, I do think. We should see subdown members using their tech of this level and of this quality just to represent like what the DAO, like the DAO stand for and like how serious people are. But without further ado, as we all know, our great editor and archiver, Mr. Finn, will kick in any moment with our music going out on the show. Uh, this has been me, Robo. This has been Rack FM and great show with Grid Plus tonight. Fantastic. We will be doing a, an unrecorded after show. So if you guys want to hold on for about 30 seconds and then, jo oh, sorry, we're not. I've just got a message. <laughs> Wheel, Wheel's doing their call. So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll not do an after show out of respect for Wheel. Uh, but shout out Grid Plus, great guests. Thank you, Red Eye, for coming up. This has been Rack FM overnight. Good night and God bless. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days Got them acting all faithless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting nottas And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out The max amount of dinner They stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hot Stage. Like this shit is play for keeps clowns white knight and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats, tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege, commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up 
If I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers, motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Spaces.